Just want you to loosen up a little bit, stretch a little bit. But turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter 3, verse number 12. And this is Paul the Apostle as well. And many, many churches use this during this time of year. And I'm going to use it. Uh, I didn't use it for New Year's. I'm going to use it now, though, because I think it's so fitting for a brand new year. In Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to start at verse number 12, and we're going to conclude at verse number 16. And it reads, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. Everybody say press on. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to, to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us as many as are mature... Have this mind, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you today. And Father, for those that have come, God, some from a distance, some from close by. But Father, I pray that in spite of where we come from, that we come and we're, Father, open and receptive to what you have to say to us today through your word. Speak to us, God, and speak through me, God, and that, Father, you would be glorified in all that is said and done. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to pray for our petitions and our requests this morning. We thank you for the awesome worship service and your presence that is obviously in this place, God. We thank you as well to be able to give, God, and Father, sow right back into your kingdom because you're a God that is able. But, Father, right now we ask that you would anoint your word. Father, every word that comes forth, that it would edify, that it would build up, that it would challenge us here today. And that it would find residence within all of our hearts. Let your will be done, not mine's or anybody else's in this place. But, Father, we ask that simply your will would be done here today. And we're careful to give you all the honor and all the glory. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. You may be seated. The title of my message is, We Gotta Press On. We Gotta Press On. See, the way to press on is to quit talking and to get to doing. See, are you closer to Christ today than you were in January of 2011? It seems like such a simple question but the answer is anything but simple. The question calls into account our progress in faith and in our personal spiritual growth. See, Paul the Apostle, he opens this passage with both the disclaimer and a declaration. The disclaimer is that he had not yet been made perfect. The point that Paul was making is that we're there is still room for him to grow in regards to his relationship with God. In other words, he had not yet arrived. Tell your person or the, your neighbor or the person next to you, God's not done with me yet. Come on, say it like you mean it. God's not done with me yet. How many of you guys thank God that you are what you are today? How many of you guys thank God that you're not what you used to be? How many of you guys thank God that you are in your right mind today? How many of you guys thank God that you do have an opportunity to do things better this year? Come on, we're not there yet. He's not done yet. Oh, but glory to God, we're on our way. We're on our way. I know that I'm not what I used to be. Yes, you don't have to remind me that I'm not what I need to be. I'm not all that I should be. I'm not perfect just yet. Oh, but I'm not nothing like I used to be. I'm on my way because I'm serving God. And God is the one that's leading me. We're not there yet. Paul the Apostle was saying he had not yet arrived. God's not done 
with you and I just yet. The declaration is that he was pressing on to get everything that Christ desired to give him. And let us, you know, be honest with us. Are you willing to press on this year to get all that Christ desires to give you? Are you willing to press on? Are you willing to put in the work? See, a lot of uh, athletes, professional athletes, you know, you, you could have whatever, the Steve Nashes, anybody like Steve Nash, right? You could have Kobe Bryant, best player still in the world. You could have, uh, you know, the Queen LeBron, amen? You could have whoever you want and look up as an icon or, you know, this athlete that is, you know, that's able to almost do the supernatural in their, pro, uh, their, their, their professional field. But nevertheless, the reason why they're able to perform like that is because of the practice field. Because they practice and they put in the work. They apply themselves and they're not, they're not satisfied with where their game's at. And if you and I are going to become and desire to fulfill all that he has in store for our lives, we can't be satisfied right here and now. We can't, you know, say that I've already arrived. I'm already done. You know, you have to say within yourself and get, you know, that righteous anger in yourself and say, you know what, I'm not what I should be. But I know that as long as I put in the work, as long as I apply myself, as long as I study more, as long as I pray more, as long as I fast more, as long as I serve more, as long as I come to church more, then God will do that work that he wants to do in my life. Don't be satisfied. This is Paul the Apostle. We're going to learn a little bit about him. But he said uh, that, that, that he hasn't apprehended. In other words, he had not yet arrived. The declaration of that he was pressing on to get everything that Christ desired to give him. God has some things in store for your life this year. He has some desires that he wants you to fulfill. He has some things that he wants to give you this year. He has a breakthrough that you've been waiting for, for many of us, many years. But we have to say, you know what, man, I'm going to do whatever I have to do. I'm going to put in the work and I'm going to serve more. I'm going to give more. I'm going to come more. I'm going to get more involved. I'm going to love more. I'm going to do more in this brand new year because I haven't arrived yet. So it's, it's so sad that, that so many. So many know they have yet gained. They have not yet gained all that Christ has for them. But they give up the pursuit. During this year, you're going to have many, many obstacles. You're going to have many, many hurdles. You're going to have many, many challenges that are going to come before you. But you have to have the mentality that, you know what, man, I I'm not going to give up the pursuit. I'm going to pursue this. I'm going to pursue a better marriage. I'm going to pursue, you know, uh, how to, you know, better our family. I'm going to pursue my relationship with God like never before. We can't give up the pursuit, though we know that God has called us for greatness. Paul the Apostle said, forgetting what is behind. The image that Paul pulls from society is one of a runner. Not just any runner, listen to me, but the lead runner. The lead runner needs to forget those who are behind and focus on the race that lies ahead. The same is true of our work and our walk with God. We are the lead runners here and we have to stay focused on the finish line. We can't get caught up and focused on, on other things that this life will bring our way. We have to be individuals that are focused. And say, you know what, man, I can't let no distractions get me off course and to cause me to stop running this race. Yes, I may get hurt along the way. Yes, I may stumble and fall along the way. Yes, somebody may cut me off along the way. But I am going to be determined to stay focused throughout this year. And I'm going to stay focused on the finish line. See, a lead runner in a race doesn't look behind them. We're running in a race, but we're the lead runners here this morning. We got to forget those things that are behind. There are things that are left behind. Those things, you know those things. 
But why do we insist on continually reliving those things? There are things that are in our past that have been blood washed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You may say, Pastor, you don't know the hurt that I've caused. Pastor, you don't know the people and family members that I've hurt and done wrong. Pastor, you don't know how I did my spouse wrong, my kids wrong, my parents wrong, my brother or sister wrong, how this church done me wrong. There's so many things. Guess what all those things have in common is they're all in the past. There's nothing we can do about the past. We bring it to the Lord. We've been blood washed already. It's in the past. It's in the past. Say that with me. It's in the past. It's all in the past. Paul was telling us, he's telling us to forget what is behind. Why do we insist on looking back on those things? We're called to run our Christian race in the leader status. We're called to live the Christian race or the Christian life focused on what we've left behind, but what still lies ahead. God has greater things in store for your life. God has greatness in store for you. God has great things in plan for your life. But so many times we allow our past to stop us from attaining that greatness. We say, why? Well, I failed before. I'm doomed to fail again. I fell off before. It's just a matter of time before I fall off again. And then we live that mentality that once a lonely housewife, you're always going to be a lonely housewife. Once a drug addict, always a drug addict. Once a gang member, once an alcoholic, once lost and bound. No, we're no longer lost and bound. We've been found by Jesus Christ and he loves us. And our past has been blood washed. It's all under the blood. We all have a past. It's part of our history. You can't negate the fact. I say it and I'll say it again. We'd be ashamed that one by one, I don't care how good you thought you were. I don't care if you never smoked, drank, cuss, lied. That's a lie already. Amen. If we begin to show all of us from birth our lives on these screens. Turn the lights out and we begin to see it. See you when you were born. You're ball-headed when you're born. You're still ball-headed. Amen. <laughs> Didn't have teeth back then. You still ain't got no teeth. I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm cold. <laughs> but if we were to start seeing our lives from infancy to where we are at today. And everybody was able to watch that video with us. Everything that we've ever done in our lives. I guarantee you we all start running out of this place. Right? Who, who, who wouldn't run out of here? Like, not me. I'm, I'm proud of everything I've done. I'll be the first one. Those windows that are covered, right? You ever see when, you know, in cartoons, they jump through walls and they got a picture of a body that goes through a wall? There would be three, four, five of them right there in these walls, right? Because how many of you guys know that we all have a past? But it's simply that, my friend, beloved sister, brother, I'm here to tell you that it's just the past. Don't worry. And then we say, you know, man, the devil always reminds me of my past. Don't look at your spouse. She's not the devil. Amen. The devil always reminds me of my past. It's okay. That's his job. But when he reminds you like that fancy saying says, when he reminds you of his of your past, remind him of his future because he's doomed for all eternity. He's going to be where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, where he's going to be in eternal darkness. Remind him of his future. He's good at throwing our past at us. He fights dirty and he reminds us and he tries to tempt us. And he starts making us feel like we aren't worthy. Guess what? He has that right. We're not worthy. The only thing that makes us worthy is that we've been covered and washed with the blood of Jesus. That's what makes us worthy. And in our own doing, we go to hell and we get there quickly. But thank God for the blood of Jesus. Come on, somebody, if you're thankful for the blood of Jesus this morning... See, Paul, 
He had a past. He had a horrific past. Before Paul had his life interrupted by Jesus on the Damascus Road, he was Saul, the persecutor of the church. The only goal that Paul had was to wipe out Christianity. And he was good at what he was doing. Many of us, we, in our past, whatever it was, the things that we used to do, some of us were pretty good at it. Some of us were professional individuals in breaking the law. Right? Professional. Who could get in a car less than a minute? Raise your hand. Who could get in a house less than a minute? Right? Boy, I don't even want to ask no more questions. You guys are scaring me, amen? We just got new projectors. They might be gone less than a minute, amen? <laughs> we were good at what we used to do. But what about serving God? What about now? What about today? Are you good at what you're called to do as being a man, a woman, a child of God, as being a husband, a wife, a father, a mother, a child? Are you good at what God has called us to do? We were good at some of those things. Paul the Apostle was the persecutor of the church. He used to sign death warrants. He used to be able to put his stamp of approval on it. Do we execute him? Yes, he's a Christian. Let's take him out. And all of a sudden on the, 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 the Damascus Road, Jesus appears to him and knocks him down to the ground and humbles him and also takes his sight from him for a moment of time. Could you imagine going from persecutor to preacher? Can you imagine from going from killing Christians to now discipling them and reaching them? So could you imagine the battle that he had up in here? The reminding that the enemy constantly brought back to remembrance. Could you, could you think of, just think about that. The enemy reminds a lot of us of the things that we've done. Look at you now. Oh, you're up there preaching. Huh. Look at you now. Oh, you're at church now. You, you even shaved this morning. Huh. Oh, look at you. You, you, you. you smell good this morning all of a sudden. Look at you. How dare you? Oh, you're lifting hands? Oh, don't, don't you know that just a couple weeks ago you, you were dancing at some club? And the enemy will remind us. Could you imagine how he reminds us? Imagine how much he must have reminded Paul. Oh, you're over here. Who's going to believe you? They're afraid of you. They already know who you are. You're out to kill them. Paul had to face his past. But once he faced it, he left it there. He said, you know what? I haven't arrived. And I'm forgetting what is behind. The only goal that Paul had was to wipe out, like I said, before Christ, Christianity. And he was good at what he was doing. Paul became... What he was trying to destroy. He was touched by Christ and would never be the same. Paul moved beyond his past and we need to do the same. There's no way for us to do great things for God while we're wrapped up in our past. We're never going to attain all that God has for us if we allow our past to weigh us down. If we allow our past to dictate what we will or won't do for the kingdom of God. What we can and can't do for our families. What we can and can't do for Jesus Christ. If we allow our past to dictate. We'll never fulfill anything. Of significance for the kingdom of God. Paul had to address and deal and face his past. But once he did. He left it there. And this morning we're going to have an opportunity to leave it here as well. Leave it here. Leave it here and never come to pick it back up again. See, Paul moved beyond his past and we need to do the same. We need to do the same. Straining toward, he says, what is ahead. Paul continues the metaphor and imagery of the race. The goal of the runner is to reach the finish line. The goal that Paul is looking toward is the, to the completion of Christ's work within his life. The completion 
of that perfect relationship he was meant to have with God. Paul was looking forward to the day when the victory over sin would be complete. Can you guys, you know, just man, I can't wait. Don't you hate that we have to battle every day with the sin of this world? Don't you hate that, you know, temptation is always around? Don't you hate when the enemy's always lying to us and he's always deceiving us? Don't, doesn't it get old at times? Paul is saying, I can't wait to the place when victory and I don't have to battle with sin no more. Paul was straining toward the moment when everything that Christ had died to provide would be his. Jesus died to provide. The finish line is found only in heaven. It's heaven that the work of Christ is made complete. Paul was making a commitment to no longer live chained to his past. See, many of us, not all of us, but many of us have been handcuffed before. Many of us are ashamed of it, or all of us should be ashamed of it. But it's all part of the past. We were chained before. We've been shackled before. We've been handcuffed and, you know, we've been hogtied, some of us, before. But what about now? What about that Jesus has walked upon the scene of our lives? We should be chained no more. We should be shackled no more. We should be hogtied no more. Because Jesus has come to set us free. And we're free indeed this morning. And we need to give the Lord some praise. Because He's the one that set us free. You can be free of your past as well. It doesn't matter your mistakes. It doesn't matter what you've gone through because it's already been blood, blood washed if you've come and you've asked the Lord to heal you of your past and forgive you. See, we need to set our sights on the work that is to be finished. We need to get focused on the day that Jesus completes his work in us. Philippians 4, 6 says that he who has begun a good work in us will complete it. He'll finish it. But why do we got to press on? Why do we got to press on? Well, the first reason is because the work is not yet finished. The work is not yet finished. Paul states that he has not yet been made perfect. The issue that many have with the, the word perfection is that we become perfect in every way and beyond the ability of doing anything wrong. See, the power of the Holy Spirit does give the ability to live above the the, the corruption of sin, the understanding, though, of perfection is not that we become perfect and do no wrong. I like what John Wesley said. He said the following about Christian perfection. By perfection, he said, I mean the humble, gentle, patient love of God, ruling our tempers, words, and actions. That's Christian perfection. Sanctification is about making us more like Christ for the perfect the purpose of a perfected relationship with God. Paul was simply stating that his relationship with Christ was not yet perfect in that sense. The issue that Paul raises is that Jesus is not done working in us. And I said it at the beginning, I'm going to say it again. He's not done with you just yet. You're not a finished product just yet. He's still making you and molding you and shaping you into the image of his perfect son, Jesus. If we're honest, we all have areas that need the perfecting love of God. We all have struggles that affect our relationship with God. The goal is, become, is to become closer and closer to God each day throughout this year and every day of our lives. The understanding is that our hope is built on the fact that being like Jesus is possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, that's how things happen and things get done. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't muster up enough strength to be that husband that God has called you to be. You can't be, you know, that wife that God has destined you to be on your own. 
You can't be that man or that woman of God. If you're going to be about God, then you need God up close and personal within your life. And you need to walk with Him and talk with Him and live with Him every day of your lives. Not just here in these four walls. At the workplace, take Jesus with you. In the schoolyard, take Jesus with you. At the gas station, Jesus is with you. Everywhere you go, your unsafe family members, Jesus is with you. We need to stay as close to Jesus as possible. Keep him close with you. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. But you won't know that unless you want it. The work is not yet finished. The second thing is Christ has more in store. He has more in store. Man, that should be exciting right there. He has more in store for my marriage. He has more in store for my kids. He has more in store for my ministry, my church, my unsaved family members. He's got more in store. See, Jesus did not die to just give us salvation. While salvation was the goal for all people, it's not the only goal of Christ. The power of God gives us the ability to live changed lives. The power of God gives us the ability to become more and more like Christ. There is no aspect of your life that the power of God cannot change. There's nothing in your life. Whatever needs to be changed, it can be changed by the power of God. What do you need deliverance from? You could be delivered by the power of God. Whatever it is, the Bible says in the Old Testament that I am that I am. Whatever it is you need this morning, that's simply what God will be for you here today. He is the great I am. You need healing. He is the one that is able to heal you. Whatever you need today, Christ has more in store. There's no problem or shortcoming that the power of God cannot solve. He's the great problem solver. Sometimes we can't calculate it. We can't figure it out. We can't, you know, uh, we can't put a hand on it. Like, man, I, I don't know what we're going to do with this situation. It's like, man, I, I can't problem solve this right here. There's no solution right here. You got half the equation right. There's no solution in regards to your know-how. But the God that we serve is all-knowing, all-powerful. And He's a God that is able. And He has a solution for that equation that you can't figure out. If that made sense. Amen. <laughs> Christ has more in store. The work is not complete until we die or Jesus returns. See, the promise is that Jesus will see this work through to completion. we got to press on. This year, I believe God's going to raise this church up. And I'm not talking about just numbers. I'm talking about the quality that everything we do, God is going to bring it to a whole new level. God wants to do something great here in East Phoenix. And I don't know if you know it or not, but God has more in store. He's not done yet. Better yet, He hasn't even begun just yet. He has greatness in store. He has great things in store. There's more in store. Don't settle. Why do we settle? Why do we settle for mediocrity? Why do we settle for less than God's blessed? Why do we settle for the status quo? Why do we settle because everybody else does? Why do we quit because the person next to us does? Why do we quit? Why do we settle? Why do we do that when Christ has so much more in store for our lives, our families, as well as our church? He'll complete it. He'll complete it. Christ has more in store. And the last thing, number three, is it helps us overcome. Why do we got to press on? Because it helps us overcome. There's victory that's awaiting us. What is behind is past, and there's nothing, like I said, that we can do about it. The past is water under the bridge. And there is no time machine to take us back. You can't go back to the future. All right, with what's his name? Fox. Michael J. Fox. Stop trying to hang out with Michael J. Fox. Amen. I'm going back to the future. That time machine. There is no time machine. What's done is done. It's already water under the bridge. It's the past. And when we press on, it helps us overcome that past. 
We can do nothing about yesterday, last week, last month, last year. Yesterday ended last night. Let yesterday live in the past. We waste too much time and energy looking back. Too much time, too much energy. Stop looking back. There's nothing to look back to but pain and misery and hurt. Put the effort into changing today. Why do we focus more about the past than we do about the present? Focus on today. Don't worry about yesterday. Yes, plan for tomorrow, but don't even worry about tomorrow. What about today? Today counts. Make life count today. Put the energy into being more like Jesus today. The call of God is to change, to grow, and to progress in the faith. Stop looking back and start looking ahead. Notice that the past is the source of our problems, our pains, and our personal regrets. Why on earth do you and do I, do we want to relive that garbage? Jesus is far more concerned with your future than he is with your past. The enemy loves to remind us, like I said earlier, of our past. The past can be forgiven and forgotten. Jesus is waiting for you to surrender the past to him. Jesus is waiting to give you a future worth straining toward. We've been called to obtain, Paul says. Paul stated that he had not already obtained perfection. The point of pressing on is to continually pursue becoming more like Jesus. There should be a desire within the heart of all of us this morning that we want to be more and more like Christ. There should be a hunger inside all of us this morning that we want to mature and become more like Christ. There should be, you know, a passion that drives us this morning. We have to be passionate about our relationship with God. We got to let our passion drive us, our passion to motivate us to become more and more like the Lord. I don't understand how sometimes we can come and just, you know, just chill. Sit there in our seat and I look good this morning. Is he almost done? Doesn't he know the playoffs started? Cardinals ain't there. Cowboys ain't there. Raiders ain't there. Chargers ain't there. But how many of you guys know Jesus is here? Amen. Come on, somebody. We got to be passionate. Sometimes we can be passionate about a silly football game or basketball game. And we're not talking about some game this morning. We're talking about a man that was born to die, that shed his blood for you and I. And he did it. And he lived this life. And he lived it to the fullest with passion. And we got to live with passion. We got to be passionate about Jesus. Yes, have a certain amount of passion for your spouse. Have a certain amount of drive for your job. Have a certain amount of drive for your children. Oh, but glory to God. When we're talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that should do something within us and drive and compel us to be passionate. We've been called to obtain. The only way to become more like Christ is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I said it earlier in Zechariah 4, 6, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by his spirit, says the Lord. Sometimes we're like, man, if I just try harder, I'll get through this. If I just apply my knowledge, he'll see me through. No, you don't know how at times. You don't have all the answers and the understanding. Oh, but the Holy Spirit, the comforter that he has left behind, the one that lives within us, he is the one that will see us through anything. It's not by our own minds, our knowledge, our know-how, our understanding, but it's by his spirits. He's got some questions. Simple questions. Don't worry, we're just about done. But some questions. We've got to ask ourselves these questions. Am I following Jesus more closely today than one year ago? One month ago? One week ago? One day ago? Am I really committed to following Christ? 
Does my lifestyle show it? Does my spiritual growth show it? Does my obedience show it? Am I serving Christ more faithfully? Does my attitude reflect it? Does my behavior reflect it? Does my service reflect it? See, we are accountable for our relationship with God. You're accountable. Your spouse is not accountable. Your parents aren't accountable. You are accountable for your personal relationship as an individual with God. Many people set personal goals for the new year. I want to lose weight. Who wants to lose weight? I do. I started the first Sunday of the month. I want to lose weight. All right? Who wants to get out of debt? Right? Who wants to spend more time with family? Not at the expense of neglecting God, though, right? Who wants to grow this year? Set a pattern, set a practice, set a progress, set a purpose, and you'll see production. Set a pattern, set a practice, set a progress, set a purpose, and you and I will see production. The key is doing something. Start small because all change begins with small steps. All significant changes start with the first step. We got to press on. Got to press on. Abba, if you've been with me anytime uh, for a while, I, I've shared this poem before. You've probably heard it before, whether here or somewhere else. But it's so fitting. I'm going to recite it again. It's been a couple years, I think, since I've done it, but I know I have done it. I actually had a plaque of this in my home church, in my office that I had. But it reads like this. It's by an unknown author. And remember this throughout this year. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will. When the road you, you're, you're trudging seems all uphill. When the funds are low, when the debts are high, and you want to smile, but you have to sigh. When care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is weird with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns. And many a failure turns about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up, though. The pace seems slow. You may succeed with another blow. Often the goal is nearer than it seems to a faint and a faltering man. Often the struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup. And he learned too late when the night slipped down how close he was to the golden crown. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint of the clouds of doubt. And you never can tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems so far. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worse that you must not quit. Why don't we all stand? We got to press on. We got to, got to, got to press on. Real, real simple message. We got to, got to, got to press on. In the book of James, chapter 4, verse number 7. It simply reads, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. What are you going to do to draw closer to Christ this year? I believe James 4, 7 has a, the answers to that. It has the remedy for the year. The first thing it says is submit to God. 
We need to learn to live submissive lives to God. When you belong to a master, how many guys know you don't tell the master what you will or will not do? You have to live. We have to live our lives submissive to God. And sometimes it's hard for some of us. Like, I'm not going to submit. No, I'm my own self-made man or woman. I'm independent. I'm independent. I've made it this long, all these years of my life, and I'm going to make it the rest of the way. That's only if he allows it. Submit to God. The other thing is resist the enemy. The enemy throughout life and throughout not only this year, but every day of our lives, he comes and he tempts us. I took my wife to dinner last night and the waitress, she came to the table after we got through eating a lovely dinner. And she came and she opened the dessert menu. I was like, you're just like the devil. I told her that. I ain't gonna lie to you. I told her that. So she she did that. What? I was like, yeah, you're just like the devil. Want to come and tempt me, huh? (laughs) Like, get behind me, Satan. We resisted, though. Look good. Cheesecake. Oh, look good. Red velvet cake. My wife was like, let's share that chocolate chip cookie. It's big enough for both of us. I was like, like, you're the devil too, amen? (laughs) We resist it though. That's what we have to do every day of our lives. He always tells us there's one prettier, one handsomer, one there's more money, there's better over here. This is nicer, the newer this thing over here. we got to resist that stuff. Resist the devil. Resist the enemy. Another thing that that verse in James 4, 7 says, draw close to God. In other words, you go after God. You go after him. Some of us, when we were drinking, we go after the liquor. We go after it. We go after it. Some of us, when we were dancers and didn't know how to dance, but we're drunk and we thought we knew, we go after the club. Amen. I'm going to go, I'm going to go dance. I'm going to get down, boy. Right? Some of us, man, we had a boyfriend and we go after him. Even go after another one. Amen, somebody? It's like, go after it. No, I don't even want to talk about drugs, but those of us that were, we go after it. We're on the floor. Amen, man. There's, this is some drugs right here, right? We go after it. Hallelujah. Right? The connection wasn't that we would, we wait outside his door, sitting down at the step, waiting for the connection to get home. Amen? Man, he's saying he'll be here, man. You're waiting. It's already three hours. Man, he's still waiting there, right? Then you start, man, did, did he go to jail? Did they did they pull him over? With his, man, you start thinking all this crazy stuff. But we went after it, right? How much more when the Bible says to draw close to God, that means you go after him. You go after him. You, you go after him with everything inside of you. You say, ain't nothing going to stop me from getting to that church. Ain't nothing going to stop me from reading my word. Ain't nothing going to stop me from praying. Ain't nothing going to stop me from becoming all. You go after God. You go after Him. Go after Him. You get desperate. Do we forget what it felt like to be desperate? Do we forget what it felt like to to have that 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 you know that that feeling that we wanted to uh, you know to be fulfilled and that 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 urge inside of us? We used to have urges. Some of us that were alcoholics, we had an urge to drink. Some of us that were just, we had an urge. You'd get butterflies in your stomach before you even got there. You had an urge inside of you. Well, what about the things of God? What about being on fire for God? What about getting closer to God? You gotta have an urge inside of you. It says, draw close to God. And then you may find yourself at a place where right here it says to repent. Bible, you, you heard me say it earlier, you sinners. It says you sinners, referring to us. Because that's all we are, is sinners that are saved by grace. We're sinners that have been blood washed. 
But man, some of us, we wouldn't be alive if it had not been for God. Some of us, we wouldn't be married still if it hadn't been for God. Some of us, our kids, we wouldn't have if it hadn't been for God. Some of us wouldn't be in our right mind if it hadn't been for God. Some of us would still be suicidal if it hadn't been for God. Some of us would still be lonely sitting at home if it hadn't been for God. But because of God, got to repent and say, man, I'm just so grateful, God. Maybe last year I, I brushed off last year and I fell off or I didn't draw close to you last year. I kind of I kind of fell away a little bit last year, God. I don't, I don't know. I let other things distract me last year, God. But I thank God that it's the past and I'm going to bring it right here to your feet at this altar. And I'm going to repent and I'm never going to be that way again. And then the last thing it says right there is to be single-minded. In other words, you got to stay focused. Set some goals this year. Set quarterly goals. Set uh, 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 mid-year goals. Set end-of-the-year goals. Set some goals that you want before you. Say, man, I I wanna I wanna better myself. I wanna uh, whether it's a, I wanna finish high school or I wanna go back and get my GED or I wanna get involved in Veti. Uh, I, there's so many things uh, I wanna do better in regards to to being a father or a mother or a husband or a wife or a man or a woman. Of God. I wanna do better. I wanna be single-minded this year. What are the things that you wanna attain this year? What are the things are we, we can't let the enemy cause us to shoot over here and shoot over there and, and shoot over here and shoot over here and think that we're going to be, you know, we're going to be able to, to give our full potential to all those things. Got to be single minded and say, man, I want to do this right here, right now. I don't, I don't want to be the same this year. I don't want to be like this in 2013. I want to grow this year. I want to change this year. I want to be better this year. I want to be healed this year. I want to become more like Christ. Listen to me. It all boils down to becoming more like Christ, getting closer to God. When you get closer to God, you'll be a better man or a better woman. When you get closer to God, you're going to be a better father or a better mother. When you get closer to God, you're going to be a better husband or a better wife. If you're close to God, you're going to be a better worker. And you're going to, God is going to raise you up. God is going to do some things in your life. If you go after God, if you draw near to God, God will do the impossible in your life. They may have told you that you'll never be able to do it. Well, God is telling you this morning that yes, you will. God will do it in your life this morning. All I know is, is I love God. That's all I, I really, really love God. I'm, I'm so grateful, but I know that in my heart, I know in my heart that God wants to do great things in your lives this year. I, I know in my heart that God wants to not only reach some of my family members that are out there running the streets, that are out there all messed up again. Not only my in-laws, not only my family, but I know God wants to do some things in your family. And the only way, not the only way, but one of the ways that it's going to happen is when you're close to God. When you're close to God, God will begin to deal with you. And God will begin to remind you, do you forget what it was to be lonely? Do you forget what it was to struggle? Do you forget what it was to be addicted? Do you forget what it was when you weren't serving me? And God will deal with us and he'll use us to reach them that are still out there, that are hurting, that are lost, that are bound. It will happen if we get closer to God. Yes, have on your list. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better wife. I want to be a better parent. I, I, I didn't have a father. I, I don't know the first thing. When you get saved, you may be like me. And I've been serving God for 20 years and I'm still learning. I'm still learning how to be a father. I'm still now learning how to be a grandfather. And sometimes we get saved and we're like, well, no, I didn't have a father figure. I didn't have a godly mother. I didn't have, it's okay because you could come to the house 
of the Lord and you can get close to God and God will teach you what you have never learned in your life before. Sometimes we think, well, if I focus on my family, yes, do that. Do that. I preached about faith, family, and future on Wednesday. But beloved, don't ever... Don't ever negate the fact. Don't ever, if you like uh, slang, I don't really care for it when I'm preaching, but other, I can't make it any simpler. Don't get it twisted where you think that, you know, if I focus on my family, then everything will come together. When you focus on your family and yet you're not focused on God no more, I'm here to tell you that is a lie and a trick from hell and the devil itself. He wants you to lose focus of God because he knows that if you're focused on God, he can't get the rest of you. Gotta press on. Life gets rough at times. I wish I could come up here and I wish I could look at all of you guys in your eyes and tell you that this year is going to be perfect. I wish I could tell you that everything's going to work out just fine. But in reality, some of us will lose family members this year. Some of us will perhaps get sick and diagnosed with something this year. Some of us may go through some financial struggles this year. Some of us, all of us, our faith is going to come under attack this year. But you have to know, we don't know what the future holds, but we know the one that holds the future, and God will never leave us, nor forsake us, or run out on us. But we're going to have to press on. You have to have this mentality that no matter what comes my way this year, I will press on. I will be all that God wants me to be. Why don't we bow our heads as we pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, let us press on here today, God, in every day of our lives. Father, we know that you got great things in store for our life and the life of our families and our church today. And this year, God, we, we know this is going to be the best year yet. We know, God, you have great things in store for our life and the life of of this church, God, and we pray that you would move, God, starting right now, God. Many of us, we're going to bring our hurts and our pains of last year that we brought with us into this brand new year. We're going to bring them to your feet at this altar today. We're going to leave them here, God. We're going to leave our past hurts, our past pains, our past, God, everything, God, good, bad, and ugly, God. We're going to bring them to your feet here this morning. And we're going to cast them upon you. For you care for us, God. And Father, we're not going to pick them up and bring them back to our seats. Or bring them back to our cars. And bring them back to our homes. And bring them back to our jobs. God, we're leaving them here. We're done with them, God. We want all that you have in store for our lives. We need you this morning, God. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You want to press on this year? As they begin to worship the Lord, these altars are open here today. Praise the Lord. The more I see.